0: Let's get it. You already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL, ladies and gentlemen. We are live on a Friday night. You could have been anywhere else, but you're live. Tapped in with us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Loaded episode 24 coming up. Please make sure to like the stream. Before we get into the episode today, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't yet. You already know where to catch me on all social media platforms at the NFL with AJL. If you can't find me, you're simply not looking hard enough. Made it a little easier easier here with that QR code that I mentioned in every episode. Scan that if you get the chance. We'll take you to every bit of social media clips, every bit of podcast platforms. Engage in any possible way on social media. Leave us a review on podcast platforms. Get in the chat tonight. Get in the comments. I want to see you guys going crazy in the live chat on the show. Hope you had a blessed Friday. Hope your week has been amazing as well. Like I mentioned, loaded episode 24 ahead of us. We're going to start with the NFC South record predictions also going to talk about some rookie quarterback mini camps as well caught the movie air that's not about mj but about the endless pursuit of mj gonna give you my review on that movie as well and Devonte adams is not happy with the raiders with the jimmy g moves and so much more in this episode appreciate everyone tuning in tonight though like i mentioned like the stream subscribe on youtube get at us on social media and i'm not going to waste any further time as we're going to go ahead and get into these 2023 nfc south record predictions i got a bunch of nfl content of course being an nfl show on deck for you guys the 2023 season is roughly about 100 days away about three and a half months away And I'm going to be going through so much content here. I want to start with division by division, and we're going to do 2023 NFC South record prediction. So I'll go ahead and get the schedule pulled up next to me, and we'll go ahead and start rattling off these record predictions here. So we're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. I'll go pick by pick, kind of dig into it overall, what they're going to do at home on the road, what they do in the division, and just do a little breakdown of, of course, these schedules. Not going to be an intense breakdown, but I wanted to get to them, get the chance to predict Everybody here on the NFL schedule. So the New Orleans Saints starting in week one against the Tennessee Titans. I believe that is a win. I believe the Saints will win weeks two, three, four, five, and six. Potentially this New Orleans Saints team could really start six. You know, you look at the Titans, you look at the Panthers, you look at the Packers. Um, of course, like I said, the Bucks, you have the Patriots and then the Texans as well. The Saints do have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. They're projected, I believe, at nine and a half wins. If I'm not mistaken. Um, So like I said, they will win, I believe, the first six weeks here of the NFL schedule and the Saints really will not see a quarterback really uh, worthy of, you know, kind of talking about at this point in the season, unless, you know, CJ Stroud pops off or or maybe, you know, Bryce Young over there with uh, with the Carolina Panthers in week two is getting something going Kind of early, but the first loss of the season for the New Orleans Saints will be in week seven versus the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to follow it up with a win in week eight, a win in week nine, I believe as well. They will lose in week 10 and then going into that bye week in week 11. It really is going to be prime for them. Not too early, not too late in the year. They're definitely going to be able to get healthy for the back part of the year. And again, you know, like I said, unless, you know, Jordan Love, Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud go wild in the first six weeks of the season, the Saints will play a reputable quarterback until the Jaguars in week seven with Trevor Lawrence, who more than likely is going to jump out and be elite, right? But we still don't know until we see it in the NFL season. they are going to have Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins back to back in that week nine and week 10. Like I mentioned, I believe the Bears are going to be a victory, more than likely a loss to the Vikings, but it could be a close one, excuse me, there. As well, you got Jared Goff with the Lions in week 12. All three of those quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, and Kirk Cousins, they are serviceable at the moment, but only two of those guys show that they can win in the NFL, of course, with Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. Y'all know I love Justin Fields, but we still need to see some more out of him. So walking into the bye week, that will be the record there. Coming out of the bye week, I believe it will be a win against the Atlanta Falcons. I believe it'll be a loss, unfortunately, to those Detroit Lions. And if I mess up on the record predictions or what I'm going through kind of schedule by schedule, please forgive me. I'm definitely trying to get at this all angles, excuse me, at this from all angles for y'all in the episode. So, like I said, a win against Atlanta. I believe a loss to Detroit. Um, I believe also a loss to Carolina. I believe the Saints are going to go 4-2 and two in the division. They'll sweep the Bucs, but they'll split with the Falcons and split with the Panthers. I don't believe the Bucs are going to be a real threat. And the Panthers, to be honest with you, they could get it together later in the season for that second divisional game against the Saints, and, and the Saints always split with the Falcons as well. I think we're going to win a nail-biter against the New York Giants. We will win against the Los Angeles Rams, and we will also win against the Tampa Bay bucks so the saints will go 12 and 5 overall 6 and 2 at home 6 and 3 on the road like i mentioned going four and two in the division we went through the schedule as it played out and going into the bye week they are going to have that 8 and 2 record by week and week 11 which is going to work out well for them saints only play five games against playoff teams this year two of those against tampa bay like i mentioned they're going to win both of those the giants and the jags at home i believe they do lose to the job excuse me the jaguars winning a nail biter against the giants because i believe excuse me do believe darren waller i do believe daniel jones and i do believe brian daybowler are really going to be up to something at least enough competitive this year to really make every game they're in um Maybe not one worth watching, but they will be competitive if most, if not all the games they'll be in this NFL season on the Vikings. We're going to be taking them on on the road. We know how that can be kryptonite for the Saints. So they're going to go three and two against playoff teams. Um, And yeah, so there you have it for the New Orleans Saints. Second easiest schedule in the league projected at nine and a half wins. I have them going 12 and five. Won't get into division predictions or excuse me, uh, playoff brackets just yet. Just want to hit you guys with the NFC South record prediction. So y'all get in the chat, get in the comments, let me know what you think about the New Orleans Saints. 2023 record prediction, and we're going to go ahead and spill right over into their rivals in the Atlanta Falcons. So Atlanta has the easiest schedule actually in the NFL this year. They're projected at eight and a half wins, and I'm actually going to be going slightly under on that when I do come out with my prediction here. I think they're going to go eight and nine overall, six and three at home. Two and six on the road, so they're not going to be the strongest road team. You take a look at their schedule there. They're going to have the Lions on the road, Tampa, Tennessee, Arizona, um, New York, Carolina, and then Chicago on the road as well. The only wins I see for the Falcons on the road is clearly going to be against Arizona, and I believe they're going to split in the division possibly just about everywhere else. I need to go back and check, make sure I'm accurate on that. I believe that they could beat those Chicago Bears. Um, And to be honest, they'll beat Tennessee. But other than that, on the road, like I said, Arizona, Chicago Bears, Tennessee, I believe all the other road games are going to be really tough for the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to go three and three in the division, splitting with everyone. I was correct there, like I mentioned. So they're going to have one win against the Falcons Saints, excuse me, the Saints, Bucks and Panthers and have losses to all those teams as well. I think they're going to be five and five going into the bye week when you take a look at the schedule here. And the NFL script writers are working their magic week 11 bye week, just like the New Orleans Saints. And we know that the Saints and Falcons also play in week 18 as well, which is a to be determined game. I believe for the time we know it's on January 7th of 2024, going to be a great game. And again, week 11 bye week for the Atlanta Falcons are going to be able to get healthy for the back part of the year. They're not going to be getting a bye week too early. The Falcons do only play four games against playoff teams from last year, two of those being against the Buccaneers, one of those against the Jags, which I think is a loss, another one against the Vikings, which I think is a loss as well. So they're going to go one in three in those games against playoff teams. The only win against um, in these four playoff teams they're going to be facing is The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are going to split with them. And then they are going to play five good to great on that scale there of quarterbacks in this season as well. Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence in week three and week four. I think those are losses, unfortunately. You got Kirk Cousins in week nine. That's going to be a loss. Derek Carr in week 12 and week 18. They're going to split with the Saints, like I mentioned. Then you have Aaron Rodgers on the road against the New York Jets at week nine. I want to make sure that – no, did I have that correct? Wait a second. Mm Mm-mm. I see Carolina. I see, um, I see, I see Carolina. I see Tampa and I see New Orleans. Okay. I don't know why I said Aaron Rodgers week nine. Maybe I was looking at something else, but week 13, they're going to be on the road against Aaron Rodgers. Um, God, I want to make sure I have the right schedules here. I'm fairly. Po- yes, I do. I'm overthinking. I don't know why I'm. I'm spinning in circles. But yes, and they're going to see Aaron Rodgers on the road as well. I'm only going to have them going one and five in those games. Again, the one win coming against the New Orleans Saints. So the Falcons, 2023, they're walking in with the easiest schedule, projected at eight and a half wins. I think that's fair for them. I have them going eight and nine. Again, six and three at home, two and six on the road, three and three in the division. They're going to split the games with everyone five and five going into the bye week. Guys, let me know. Get in the comments. Tell me what you think about the Atlanta Falcons schedule prediction that I just laid out there. Now on to the Carolina Panthers. 2023 NFL schedule predictions. I have not done Titans yet. What's up, Wes? Yes, I'm doing predictions. We're doing schedule predictions since the schedule release came out about a week ago. I'm going to be hitting those division by division predictions. Getting completely into it uh, in probably a few weeks, a few months from now, but the Titans will have, along with the entire AFC South, a full schedule prediction, talking about the playoff teams, talking about the good quarterbacks that are going to be playing, road record, division record, home record. Um, Rewind it, man, if you want to know kind of the categories that I'm going to be getting into here. But now we have the Carolina Panthers, and they have the sixth easiest schedule in the NFL this year. They are projected at seven and a half wins. Taking a look at the schedule here to my left, I'm going to have them going 7-10 overall, 6-2 and two at home, and kind of here is the daunting stat, just like with the Falcons. I think the Carolina Panthers are going to go 1-8 and eight on the road this year. You take a look at their road games. Falcons, Seattle, Detroit, Miami, they could easily lose all of those to start the season with those road games. They could very well lose to Chicago. I believe they could beat Chicago. But you look at Tennessee is a definite win. Tampa, New Orleans, they're going to lose to Jacksonville. So they're only going to beat one team on the road. And I firmly believe that will be either the Chicago Bears or the Tennessee Titans. There's going to be losses everywhere else. They'll beat the Falcons at home, but on the road, it's not going to be a win. Um, again, one and eight on the road here for the Carolina Panthers. So it's not going to be a very pretty road stretch. I got them going three and three in the division as well, splitting with everyone. It's going to be a rough start of one and five. You take a look at the schedule there, the first five weeks, you got the Falcons, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Lions, and the Miami Dolphins. So they're going to be walking into a much needed bye week in week six to only win potentially being the Falcons there if they do get that win on the road, and like I said, they could walk in winless into this bye week in week six, maybe limping into it, not because of injuries, but just because they're really going to need to get into the bye. They're going to play seven games versus playoff teams from last year. They're going to have two excuse me, two against Tampa. They're going to split both of those, but they, I, th- I think they are going to lose to Seattle, Miami, uh, the Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Jags, so they're going to go one and six versus those seven playoff teams from last year. And they're going to play seven pretty solid quarterbacks as well. Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Goff, a Dak, and Trevor Lawrence. I think they're going to lose all these games except one to the New Orleans Saints, unfortunately. They're going to go one and six here as well. So the Panthers, even though they are going to have that sixth easiest schedule, my reservation with them not having as many wins is going to be the fact that Bryce Young looks very small on film right now. We know he's great, but small quarterbacks have not lasted really in this league, unless you're an anomaly of Russell Wilson, which some people are out on, or obviously the legend in Drew Brees. Um, So knowing Bryce Young, being with that head coach in Frank Reich, I have no doubts about Frank Reich. But it's really all going to be on Bryce to adjust. And as far as everybody knows, might be smoke and mirrors, but as of right now, Bryce Young is not the starter. Andy Dalton is the starter as of right now, May nineteenth, twenty twenty three, seven thirteen p.m. on the East Coast. Episode twenty four of the NFL with AJL. Bryce Young, per the Panthers GM, is not the starter just yet. It will be Andy. Dalton let me know what you think about the Panthers schedule prediction Sixth easiest schedule in the league seven and a half projected wins I have them going seven and ten splitting all their games in the division they're going to go six and two at home but they're going to be abysmal on the road at one and eight now let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who a lot of people are curious about Kings Broadcasting Studios what is up man good to see y'all in the uh in the chat tonight, I was thinking about petty sports and, and just the KBS times and miss you guys, man. I got to get back out to the studio. Got to get some lunch with you guys or something. I know y'all aren't too far away, but thanks for hopping in. And um, you guys know you always, always can stop by uh, like, like, like uncle Shannon says for a, uh, a drink and a conversation. Except I won't be having a drink. It'll just be water. But of course, plenty of conversations here on the show. Now the Tampa Bay, Buccaneers let me make sure I flip this over yes I did so good to see you in the chat man let's go my guy good to see you the Bucks this year they have the 11th easiest schedule they are projected at six and a half wins of course Baker Mayfield being the starter I believe the Buccaneers are still a Super Bowl caliber roster outside of quarterback you would like to see some more um, running back presence but the O-line is good the wide receivers are still intact you still have um like I said, you still want to have some more of that rushing game, but a lot of those defensive players are still in the building as well. And we know what, you know, Tampa secondary and just Tampa's front seven and entire defense was doing over the last couple seasons in the NFL. I'm gonna have Tampa going six and eleven overall in this NFL season. I believe they're gonna go four and four at home, two and seven on the road. I think they're gonna go two and four in their division. They're gonna split with the Falcons and split with the Panthers, but I don't believe with Baker Mayfield at the helm. And maybe if Kyle Trask is still hanging out in Tampa Bay, that um, not Bruce Arians, God, is it Todd Bowles that's head coach? I believe it is Todd Bowles being able as a defensive minded coach to really coach up a a Baker Mayfield, considering what he's been through, considering the weapons are around, considering that quarterback room um, again, great roster. Very capable roster, but it all is going to ride on the head coaching and the quarterback combo, and I don't believe this is going to be one of the strongest in the league. They have an early Week 5 bye week, so they could be winless going into it as well, but the only win I really see is Week 2 against the Bears, and these guys have a tough schedule starting out again. You got Minnesota on the road, Chicago and Philadelphia at home, and then New Orleans on the road. Like I said, they could damn sure walk into that game, um, excuse me, walk into that Week 5 bye week completely winless, Maybe they can get a win against the Chicago Bears, but if Justin Fields and and DJ Moore and the whole Bears crew over there is popping off, we really might be looking at something else with those Chicago Bears. The Tampa Bay Bucks only play five games versus playoff teams from last year. Unfortunately, I have them losing all five of these games, the Vikings, the Niners, the Bills, the Eagles, the Jags, and I believe anyone out there listening would agree with me as well. They play seven decent quarterbacks next year. Derek Carr twice, of course, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff. Uh, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, and they might win one of these, which will be against the Bears. But I, I, I don't see a win against the Saints. I don't see one against the Vikings, against the Eagles, against the Lions. Maybe the Lions, but it's de- especially not the Bills or the Jags. Again, someone can slip, but I think only the one win, if any, would be the Bears. That was the 2023 NFC South schedule prediction team by team. You guys let me know what you think of the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Buccaneers 2023 schedule prediction. And the way it's going to play out, just for a real quick reference, I want to throw the graphic back up. So the Saints are going to win the division. Ha-ha, ironically, right? Going 12-5. and They have a very easy schedule, though. They have a very capable roster. Of course, Dennis Allen is going to be a major question along with Derek Carr. But when you look at their schedule, It's the second easiest for a reason. Saints are going to win the division going 12 and 5. Falcons are going to go 8 and 9, so they will be in second. The Panthers will go 7 and 10, so they will be in third. And then the Bucs will fall right behind going 6 and 11. Again, y'all get in the chat, get in the comments. Let me know what you think about the 2023 NFC South schedule predictions. This has been episode 24 of the NFL with J, uh, excuse me, AJL. Make sure you like the stream wherever you're at, please. You could have been anywhere else on a Friday, but you're locked in with us on the show. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't yet. I appreciate all the love for the subscribers you guys have been pushing for me at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. If you can't find me, you're just simply not Looking hard enough. I always help you out with the QR coder. If you you can scan that on your screen, it's going to give you every bit of social media content, every podcast platform we're on. Engage with us on social. Leave us a review on podcast platforms. Get in the chat. Get in the comments. And let me know what you're feeling on a very relaxing, happy Friday evening. And we've got an NFL All-Pro Superstar Wide Receiver that is very, very unhappy with his team. And I'm talking about Devontae Adams and the Las Vegas Raiders. And reports are Devontae Adams is, quote, not seeing eye-to-eye with the Raiders on having Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback and just overall their offseason moves. And before we get into his actual comments and kind of how I've deciphered them, had a little fun here, a little Devontae Adams translator, if you will. Let's take a look at some of the offseason moves, the, the real ones that jump out. So we know Jimmy G. Signed three-year, $73 million contract in free agency. Josh Jacobs was franchise tag. They signed Jacoby Myers on a three-year deal, $11 million a year, $33 million for three years. Not amazing, not bad. We know Jacoby Myers hasn't been much of anything in the league. Um, they drafted Tyree Wilson seventh overall. They ta- they drafted the Darren Waller replacement and Michael Meyer, 35th overall. Some say he was the best tight end in the league. We know Derek Carr was released, signed by my New Orleans Saints. We know Jared Stidham was released, signed by the former New Orleans Saints head coach. And now at the Denver Broncos, of course, with Jared Stidham, we know Darren Waller was traded away. Matt Collins was signed by the Falcons and defensive end Cleland Farrell was signed by the Niners as well. The ones that I know were bothering Devontae is Derek Carr, Darren Waller, more than likely the replacement with Jimmy G and maybe even the signing of Jacoby Myers as well. Don't know if he's really going to be caught up on Tyree Wilson going seventh overall. I wasn't a fan, thought it was a major reach, would have loved to see Jalen Carter. But nonetheless, those are some offseason moves that we can keep in mind as we get through this topic here. So Devontae Adams, a couple quotes that he he said and really how I have deciphered them and, and really what this means for the Las Vegas Raiders with now their best player on their team having this concern. So he says the front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. To me, that means I don't think this is the best position for us to win a Super Bowl. He didn't say the part there of I don't think this is the best position for us to win a Super Bowl. Devontae said the front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent. AJL thinks that means I don't think this is the best position for us to win a Super Bowl. Devontae then turns around and says, we don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now. I'm going to have to buy into this and try to be as optimistic as possible. AJL's meaning we aren't on the same page of what will help us win a Super Bowl, and I'm not feeling positive on what has happened this offseason. That's essentially what Devontae Adams is saying. Of course, got to keep it clean in front of the media, franchise's best player, we know. So Devontae turns back around and says, it's not what I expected to happen, but it's something that's the reality now. It all depends on the style of ball that we play. If we play a certain brand of ball, I can get Jimmy G to conform to whatever. But if we use him a certain type of way, then it's going to make it tough for us to maximize who we should be this year. To me, to AJL, that means I'm not happy about Derek Carr and Darren Waller leaving, but it is what it is. If Jimmy can carry us and ball out, we will win. If we cater to Jimmy's weaknesses, we might fail. He comes back around for the last comment here and says, My goal is to win a Super Bowl with this team, and that's why I didn't come here to just be cute with Derek. Talking about his former teammate, Derek Carr, that just went to the Saints. It is to really try and have a shot at changing this organization. Again, AJL meaning I'm committed to Vegas, and while I'm not happy with Derek leaving, it is what it is. So, a franchise's best player is now on record saying they're unhappy and this usually doesn't bode well we know that Devontae isn't in the position of quarterback so we know his concerns are heard. and he even said i know the raiders front office i know josh mcdaniels i know the owners hear my concerns as you know again now looking in on it Devontae didn't say this but fans looking in Devontae is a raiders best player he got the respect for josh jacobs i loved darren waller while he was there I had the pleasure of meeting him and now they're both gone and it's just, you know, it's just Devontae Adams who just came off of a record year with his former teammate and Derek Carr. So I know Devontae Adams is good and pissed off now with the Raiders after kind of being uncomfortable when he wanted to go to the Raiders while he was with the Packers because he wanted to go play with Derek Carr because they both went to Fresno State. So now you have your best player on record saying, I don't think this is the best position for us to win a Super Bowl. We aren't on the same page of what's going to help us win a Super Bowl. And I don't feel good about what's happened this offseason. I'm not happy about Derek Carr and Darren Waller leaving, but it is what it is. If Jimmy can carry us and ball out, we will win. But if we cater to Jimmy's weaknesses, we might fail. I'm committed to Vegas. And while I'm not happy with Derek leaving, it is what it is. That is essentially what, uh, excuse me. Devonte Adams has said in this press conference or not in this press conference, but in this, you know, in these statements that have gotten out. We saw when Jimmy G got signed, he said, if you haven't said shit to me for the last three weeks, don't talk to me. Then he comes out, says the Raiders GM is the man. So, again, we know Devontae's emotions are creeping through. And I think this is a start of the precedent of the Raiders going into the tank for the 2023 season. And here's why. Again, he does not like the Jimmy G signing, and he didn't see it coming, essentially. He doesn't believe the team is going to be set up for success with what's going on, and rightfully so. He's a bad head coach. As of right now, it's a bad defense. and has been for the last decade. Derek Hard never had a top-20 defense in his career as a Las Vegas Raider. There's a bad front office. And there's a noisy franchise recently between the Henry Ruggs incident, between the Damon Arnett incident, between John Gruden resigning and suing the league, between the Raiders trying to be the Patriots and bringing in Josh McDaniel and apparently Brian Hoyer's on the team behind Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a lot going on, and it's been a lot of noise. And again, I'll continue relate it to to relate it back to the Denver Broncos. Everybody thought the Broncos were going to be great last year. I said, rookie head coach, brand-new quarterback, brand new owner and they went 5 and 12. Now there were a lot of factors in that, but I wasn't shocked when the Broncos were not good. And if the Raiders are only going to win 5 to maybe 8 games this year, haven't looked deep at the schedule yet, so don't call me on that comment. I'm going to get into those predictions as the shows roll on and the season comes up. It's not going to be shocking if the Raiders do not win a lot of games and they will be going into the tank. Potentially really what I'm seeing now with the Raiders is I I just think they're on track after this off season to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And here's why Jimmy G was catered to in San Francisco with an elite defense running games every single year. Josh Jacobs is very good. And the O-line was good last year with the Raiders. So there is that, but the defense is not there. It's never been there. It's not in the culture. It showed with the number seven overall Tyree Wilson pick, who feels like he's a one-trick pony, slow one-step guy. And Derek Carr had to carry the Raiders all the damn time. Jimmy G hasn't had to do that. Jimmy G's had the comfortability of a George Kittle, which kind of has my Michael Meyer now, who we'll have to wait and see what he turns into. He's had the comfortability of a run game, which he does have that in the running back room with Josh Jacobs and a good O-line there like I just mentioned with the Raiders too. But is not good. He could be in games where he's trying to will them into comebacks. He's trying to win shootouts, which you can reference the no never mind that was the Chiefs Rams. You know, we 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 know when the, the the Niners and the Saints had that big game in the regular season, it was a high-scoring game. We've seen the Niners be in some high scoring games, right? With Jimmy G, but it hasn't been on Jimmy G's arm to overcome a bad defense and bad coaching and win. And I don't believe Jimmy's gonna be able to do that. Josh Jacobs and the Devontae Adams are great. Not taking anything away from that. And Jimmy G finally, ironically, will have his first true wide receiver one. I know about Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Emmanuel Sanders, all those guys are amazing if not elite in some cases, right? You probably say that about Debo and Kittle. Um, But they never really got used as that prime wide receiver one target for Jimmy G. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But that was the whole spreading the ball around mantra, which is part of that San Francisco offense, which is not going to be the same in Las Vegas. So if Jimmy G is catered to, Devontae will be underused, and then Michael Meyer, the tight end, will more than likely be that security blanket. That's just how I see everything playing out. So again, Devontae Adams, pissed, unhappy, doesn't like the offseason moves. I didn't think the Raiders were going to be a good team. I believe they're going to be one of those teams that's going into the tank. Not as bad as the Cardinals, but maybe just a few games off from necessarily being that bad. And you'll probably think I'm being harsh. You probably think I am dragging the Raiders right now. And I kind of am. But I don't see how a quarterback who was catered in a system with San Francisco elite defense, elite O-line, elite running game, damn near elite coaching. We know what he's done in the playoffs, obviously, in the Super Bowl. Speaking of Kyle Shanahan, to good O-line, still an elite running back. I don't know if I would call Jacobs elite. I know he just led the league in rushing yards, but I don't necessarily like when he's inside the red zone. Um, I think he could be a little more versatile, but he's he's great, no doubt, right? Uh, Michael Meyer, who some said was the best tight end in the league, Uh, in the draft, excuse me. And then you have Devontae Adams. But Jimmy G doesn't have that huge cannon, that major arm, I feel like, to take full advantage of a Devontae Adams, a guy that's really going to be routing folks up. And it's not that Debo or George Kittle or Iuke or Emmanuel Sanders didn't do that, but they're not on the talent of uh, uh, Devontae Adams. And I'm not saying a higher caliber receiver of talent is going to make Jimmy G not be able to rise to the occasion, but it's the defense that worries me. It's the different scheme, and it's the head coaching. But Raiders fans, please sound off. Joe Morley, hope you see this video, man. You are honestly the biggest Raiders fan I know. Raiders fans, sound off in the chat, in the comments. Let me know what you think about the Raiders' kind of outlook for next year. Devontae Adams', Devontae Adams comments being very bold, being very, very upfront about how he feels. And um, just just really where you think this team is going to head now, now that these comments are out, but also seeing how the offseason is playing out as well. Are you confident? and what's going to be happening with these Las Vegas Raiders. Wes, I see your comment here. Titans have no idea. Will Levis is doing good preseason, but you give up on Malik. Plus, with that O-line, you're not doing anything no matter what quarterback you got. Yeah, that's why they took Skaronsky, and some people were calling me crazy when I said that. Um, you know, Taylor Lewan was one of the best linemen in the league before he became a free agent, which is true. I know he just battled some injuries. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we we can get into that a little later. Will Levis... Uh, I'm actually talking about him in the rookie mini camp a little later this year. I think they know that they just didn't strike uh, really anything great with Malik Willis, man. He was a solid QB coming in. I liked him coming out of Liberty, a lot of great, you know, hype and tape around him, but kind of just Mike Vrabel's, Mike Vrabel's judgment. You do have Malik Willis and you've got Will Levis in the building. So if one doesn't work, you can switch to the other. You really have the whole preseason to experiment and kind of work around with these guys. But ladies and gentlemen, please never forget. We're sponsored by buy and sell with a J L for all your worldwide professional real estate needs. Whether you're looking to buy a home, geez, let me get this right. I don't know. There we go. I'm so OCD. Can y'all see how much? Whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate, Buy and Sell with AJL has got you covered. Make sure to get at them on social media. You see the handle there. Like I said, whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate, make sure you drop your email in the comments or drop your email to them on social media. Get on their true exclusive newsletter. They know interest rates are high. They know it's also still a seller's market. They know it can be daunting for first-time home buyers, but there are options for everything. And if you want to know a property's value, how fast it could potentially sell, whether it's yours, someone you know, it's that random house that's been on the corner of the road for 52 years, and you think it could be worth a million bucks, DM buy and sell with AJL on social media, drop that address, drop your email. They'll get their AI system working for you to show a home seller or someone that's just curious everything they would need to know about that property. Like I mentioned, this is episode 24 of the NFL with AJL. Please like the stream, subscribe on YouTube, get at us on social media platforms and all podcast platforms. Now I know I'm a little late on this one here, but thank you, Amazon Prime, for giving me air the movie for absolutely free. Shout out to a good real estate agent friend of mine who said, Hey, This is free on Amazon Prime. I literally went in shortly after cooking dinner that evening with the lady. Shout out my baby, Taylor Mobley. And we watched Air. And I wanted to give you guys my review on it. Like I said, I know I'm about a month and a half late. But let's get into what this movie really was. And I just believe if you're a sports fan, if you like a good movie, if you kind of like an underdog mentality, a great coming up story, Air was definitely for you. So let's get into the review. It's not a movie about Michael Jordan. It's about Nike's rise in the shoe market and how Sonny Vaccaro's relentless pursuit of Michael Jordan did just that to really spark how Nike's rise in the shoe market came to be. And really after you watch this movie, it's like, how do you not leave feeling hopeful wanting to root for your favorite people truly knowing what self-belief can do for you and the people around you. It's a to movie off the bat. You got Mac Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, the one who relentlessly chases MJ for the shoe deal. He was the VP of Nike Jason Bateman as the marketing VP of Nike, Rob Strasser, or Strasser. It might be Ben Affleck as the co-founder of Nike, and Phil Knight. Chris Tucker as the VP of the Jordan brand, and Howard White. You got Viola Davis and Julius Tennon who crushed it as MJ's mom and dad, especially Viola Davis as the mother. I believe it was Dolores Jordan, and then uh, Julius Tennon was James Jordan. God rest his soul. Um, we know Dolores is still alive, and it did show at the end of the movie, MJ just giving his mom the ultimate flowers for everything that she's done for him. I was a big, big fan. If you ever get the chance to watch the movie, you're going to notice how they perfectly name dropped NBA legends like Magic Johnson. They literally said at one point in the movie, Magic Johnson doesn't even have his own shoe. I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Like just to, just to casually put that in there, shout out Ben Affleck. And if Jason Bateman had anything to do with that, we know he's a directing genius as well. If you haven't seen Ozark with Jason Bateman, you're missing out. They were dropping legends names like Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Hakeem, Michael Jordan, of course. And you look at one point, they're in the draft room where they're literally deciding which NBA player to go after with Nike. They're naming off many legends. And they're doubting initially that they could even land Michael Jordan due to how Converse owned over half of the basketball shoe market at 54%, I believe. MJ actually wanted, well, excuse me, me, let me back up a little bit. The prowess of Converse and the prowess of Adidas owned most of the basketball shoe market at the time. Adidas, I want to say, uh, maybe had around 30 something percent. And then I think Nike was at 17%. I of course can go back and get the numbers, but I, I wasn't able to find it. But the biggest thing was is Converse and Adidas dominated the basketball game. A lot of athletes wanted to go there. Everyone wore all-stars. Everyone, you know, like the shell toes and whatnot, the, you know, you know, the, the Velcro straps on the top of the Adidas. And more than anything, MJ wanted to go to Adidas with a backup of Converse and Nike was just running shoes at the time. So you look at great part of the movie. Sonny Vaccaro goes to Michael Jordan's home to talk with his mom and he essentially blueprints how the meetings with Converse and Adidas would go from what they'd say, how they wouldn't put uh, MJ in the spotlight, and, but really in the mix of all the other big NBA stars like the Larry Bird's and the other players that were drafted you know, at that time before MJ. But just the way that Kenny Vaccaro, or excuse me, Kenny Vaccaro, oh, I'm thinking of a former Saints uh, (laughs) uh, safety. I don't even know if he's still in the league. Sonny Vaccaro, to know how Sonny Vaccaro, Vaccaro, however you say it, the way he sold and really pumped up how he viewed MJ compared to everyone else and looked his mother dead in the face and said, you're probably the only other person in this world that knows it besides me and him because they knew how great MJ was. They knew what Michael Jordan was going to be before he even ever became it. When they created the OG Jordan 1 to present to Michael Jordan in the movie, that reveal was iconic for all sneakerheads, no question about that. The way Sonny Vaccaro really halted that Nike presentation, again, played by Matt Damon, um, just mid meeting to speak right to MJ and tell him why he was worth it. He, he, he cut the slideshow, cut the video, cut the presentation like, this is why I want you here, because you're Michael freaking Jordan. And I want you in this building. I want to get you signed because we're going to make the shoe all about you. It is Air Jordan. Go ask Adidas if they would put your name on their product. Your name, not your logo, your name. Go ask Converse if they would do the same. Because Sonny Vaquero sitting right there telling you, I know what we can do. We've made it for you. Here's a prototype. MJ wanted that shoe. MJ looked at the shoe, realized how it was Bill's, or Bill's, LOL, Bull's colors and Nike was even willing to pay the fines every single game for MJ for him to wear that iconic red, black, and white shoe. Air Jordan won Chicago Bulls edition. Sick as hell. But the real meat and potatoes of the movie, MJ's mom negotiating for him really stole the entire show. They position her as the catalyst slash reason why Michael Jordan ends up wanting to sign with Nike because Nike makes an offer of $250,000 a year for the salary guaranteed adidas matches it also gives mj that red uh mercedes-benz that he was wanting at the time you'll kind of see you know if you get into the movie um and his mom is really positioned and and she's played as the catalyst and the reason why michael jordan does sign with nike why he ends up taking the deal and how it paved the way for him his family and hundreds of other athletes to follow in his footsteps and affleck again who plays um phil knight i believe that is right uh, Yeah. Ben Affleck plays Phil Knight, co-founder of Nike. He, he's sitting on the couch at the end of the movie and he goes, well, what's the most we've ever done on a shoe deal? Like three million. <laughs> You've never signed Michael Jordan, brother, because his mom negotiated a royalty of every shoe sold and Jordan's did $162 million in the first year of hitting the market. The first year, they do $162 million. Michael Jordan to this day, per the air movie, (laughs) makes over $400 million a year from the Jordan brand. Absolutely set for life. Shout out to Dolores Davis. God rest James, or excuse me, Dolores, uh, Dolores Jordan. Am I saying that right? I think, yeah, Dolores Jordan, Dolores Davis. What am I talking about? God rest his soul to James Jordan. And just knowing that his mom believed in him so much to literally get on the phone for Nike. She said, it's not time for you to talk to Michael yet. I don't think y'all are ready to meet each other. I essentially want to kind of take the recent Lamar Jackson era, you know, kind of route and have the mom as an agent, have the mom negotiate for me. Mom knows my worth, you know. Uh, Ben Affleck really did great with the scripts in this movie overall, especially when MJ's mom was naming everything he would do in the NBA. And, of course, everything that she was naming, all this happened in MJ's career. She said, I know what my son will do. I know what my son can do, whether it's the 10-time scoring champion, whether it's undefeated in the NBA finals, whether it's multiple defensive players of the year, whether it's multiple finals rings, whether it's multiple finals MVP. She said, I know what my son's going to do. I know what he's going to do. All NBA all all defensive team like she was going through the accolades because she knew MJ was headed there. It just for her to be so fluent on that and use that in her negotiation to not only win that deal for her son, I mean one of one hands down that part stole the movie. So at the end of everything, Air is a fantastic movie again. Not about Michael Jordan but about the relentless pursuit that Nike put on, really that Sonny Vaccaro, Vaccaro however again put on to go chase MJ. So don't come to this movie looking for the story or the rise of Michael Jordan. It's about the people who relentlessly pursued him and changed his life, the shoe market, athlete awareness and and really compensation forever. Great vibes, great, um, you know, just gr- great scripts, great setting, great plot. Uh, I mean, great actors, great energy you couldn't ask for really much better in an amazing sports movie surrounding a certain aspect of Michael Jordan that changed his life, but really the sports world forever. And speaking of changing the sports world forever, one of my favorite shows and maybe one of your favorite shows as well is going to a major, major casting network. I don't know if you guys heard, but the Pat McAfee Show is going to ESPN and Falcons number 1 rise up. Drew, I don't know about that my man. I respect the comment. They're not number 1 though, rising up my dude. The number 1 Chiefs, or excuse me, the number 1 team in the league is going to be the Chiefs, man. But if you're a fan, you know I totally respect it. So the Pat McAfee show has now went to ESPN. He said the biggest news in the history of that program, as he says in the history of that company was coming. I have a lot of respect for what Pat McAfee's done with his platform, retiring in 2016, having the Thunderdome in Indianapolis. Everything he's done from the relationship with Aaron Rodgers to getting Chris Ballard on the show, I mean, truly great. So Pat McAfee's show is now headed to ESPN, his two years into the four-year FanDuel deal that he just signed not long ago for four years, $120 He's now going to go to ESPN, where the show will be on ESPN's YouTube, ESPN's TV channel and ESPN Plus every Monday through Friday. We don't know the numbers yet, but reportedly he's making over eight figures or $10 million a year. And I love the Pat McAfee show. I love the jargon, the content, the guests, the vibe. His goal was really accomplished. He wanted to veer away from mainstream sports media and debates, which caused division in his eyes. It gave a negative vibe. You know, he even said, there might not ever be any debaters out there, you know, like Stephen A. Smith and and Skip Bayless, What people tried to branch off of from that, I felt like naturally just brought division. And there are healthy debates, but there should also just be positive discussions about sports. And you might not like how vulgar he can be. You might not like how he cusses. But his energy is undeniable. And he has truly built a community on YouTube explicitly and then post-produced on other platforms and has become so successful. Yes, he's a former player. Yes, he has AJ Hawk on there who's a former player. Yes, he has Adam Pacman Jones on there who's a former player. We know that he's got connections. He's using them and we shouldn't hate. We should absolutely have faith in Pat McAfee as he's really asking us to, because when I first heard it, I was like, damn, Pat McAfee, real edgy show, respectful, just edgy. Um, you know, ESPN going through all these layoffs. They just laid off 7,000 jobs between ESPN and Disney. Cause you know, obviously they're the same company um, Disney's very family friendly. They are just very G rated. And again, Pat McAfee show is very respectful, but it's not G rated. It's, it's, it's kind of like dudes in the room with, you know, just, just locker room talk, but it's not nasty. They're just cutting up again, just jargon vibes, good energy, but it's all about sports. And that's what Pat McAfee is built. And again, when he first goes to ESPN, I'm just like, this doesn't align. You know, and even Kirk Herbstreit is on the show saying everyone thinks they're going to take your show and they're just going to put it in this box. Pat McAfee, all the crew agreed. And they're like, but look, that's not going to happen. You know, um, Pat McAfee and Jimmy Pitaro, you know, the VP of ESPN said they wanted to make this move happen at the right time. They knew in the past it wasn't the right time. They knew they only wanted to make it happen if it would make money for both companies. And Pat McAfee has told us that nothing is going to change on the show besides how much he swears because clearly now he's going to be on ESPN and all major, uh, well, not all major networks, but on ESPN, which is on, like he literally says, every TV channel in America. But we need to give Pat some faith. We really do. Because everything, you know, everyone's assuming that this is going to get screwed up due to ESPN and Disney and not necessarily Pat McAfee. And if we remember, within the last few years recently, ESPN was literally banning players from going on to Pat McAfee's show. They were literally banning them from going on a PMS Live. They just didn't want to have it. They they, they were not about it. They didn't want it happening at all. Now, again, ESPN and Disney just laid off 7,000 people. As they make this move, Jimmy Pitaro, ESPN's VP, had a lot of conversations with Pat McAfee. He can tell that he's on it. He can tell that Jimmy Pitaro is serious about this. He is excited about it. Pat McAfee is impressed. He knows it had to be the right timing. And everyone's going to think, oh, he's so big. Now he's finally gotten to this point. He's going to sell out. He's built a, uh, he, he has built a platform that is so large and to think that even ta- he can take it to even larger heights is going to be insane. I mean, we knew that the Pat McAfee show could have bigger heights than this, but to know that now it is a part of ESPN, I'm happy for Pat. I know Pat knows what he's doing. He's sponsored by, he's got relationships with ESPN, Fox, Sirius um, SiriusXM, Westwood One, FanDuel. The dude's got his name in plenty of hats. His network is large. Your network is literally your net worth. That's why he got the four-year $120 million deal with FanDuel. That's why he's probably going to get the same deal. If, if Knowing ESPN, they'll make it better, just to really, really you know, drive it home for him. And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and hate on it for Pat. I was shocked at first. I wasn't necessarily happy. There are still rumors potentially that he could get kind of a, you know, whether it's Monday night football, Thursday night football, Manning cast type of thing, but with him and his show, which could still be, you know, happen, could still be very legendary. But for him going to ESPN, it's it felt predictable, like, oh yeah, that that's the move, right? But you have to look into everything and just and really see how it unfolded for Pat. Again, he gave major flowers to Jimmy Pitaro. There's a new content manager at ESPN uh, named Burt Magnus. He said Jimmy Pitaro ensured him the vibe and the delivery of the show wouldn't change. Of course, he just had to change his cussing. And Pat already had his foot in the door at ESPN as well with the college game day. And Pat and his crew do everything in-house. Here's the big thing that I feel like a lot of people aren't understanding. Pat and his crew do literally everything in-house. House. Yeah, Pat did a very non-pat thing joining ESPN. He lost a lot of followers. Hit that like button. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. I'm gonna get your comments up here on the show. Please make sure to hit that like button, like Drew says. And he's tapping in here. Pat did a very non-pat thing joining ESPN. He will lose a lot of followers, but I believe that the followers he loses will be gained back um simply by going to ESPN. His following is probably going to go up a lot. You know, he might he might lose some, but I think it's gonna go up. I think he'll be fine. Um, and, and honestly, I, again, I just believe if, if he's at 2.2 million right now, and let's say he loses a quarter of his fan base, it just falls to, let's say 1.5 million, right? Believe by the time, you know, everything is going with ESPN and YouTube and ESPN plus, and it's all up, we can see Pat McAfee with a three four five million uh, person following I almost at $5 million, but he's, he's like making way more than that. Um, But yeah, yeah, this is this is a lot for the Pat McAfee show. This is a lot for what's happening with them. And again, Pat and his crew do everything in-house. They're massive, and they just need production help. Pat said he knows this is a change to change sports media for the better and the future, and he's honored to do so. Because again, now instead of just YouTube, he'll now be on ESPN's YouTube, ESPN's channel on TV, and ESPN Plus every Monday through Friday for three hours like he's doing now. Some say turning down the deal would have changed sports media more than joining would have, but it's really all about perspective. Of course, if he takes the deal, he's potentially going to change sports media because he's built such a platform. To where now, businesses and life is all about adjusting. It's all about adapting. ESPN's going through stuff right now. Clearly, laying out, laying off seven thousand people. They could be looking for a change in vibe. They could be looking for a change in style, in in scenery, and brand awareness by starting that with Pat McAfee. So if that does happen, I think Pat McAfee's one of the perfect or well, most rounded most well-rounded candidates to take this position to elevate to this point with ESPN to make it to where if shows like me ever wanted to have a chance to get on there, which I I'd love to stay independent forever. I'd love to bring people in and have sponsors, you know, but still be me, fully believe in, you know, having your own business and all. Um, that should be possible. You know, there should be networks out there like Blue Wire, who bring podcasts on and really, you know, shout out, pick a side, shout out, stay hot podcast. You know, there's, there's, there's podcast networks like the volume, like Colin Coward's come out with. Now he's able to bring on other podcasts or give them exposure because people like the volume in general because of Colin. So it's just going to be a lot of growth for Pat McAbee. And of course you could say, oh, he would have done more good if he would have turned it down. Why? Just because it's ESPN. I mean, if you turn down any big company, I think that's going to show anything. I just think a lot of feelings are tied up inside ESPN, what they used to be or what they maybe are now. um, and, and, And people just aren't having it. But I'm happy for Pat McAfee. I trust him. He has clearly built a platform the way he has. He's gotten the relationships and the networking and the connections the way he has. He's making the money for a reason because he knows how to do it. And I think he's going to do great things at ESPN. I'm happy for you, Pat. My... Biggest dreams is for you to only hopefully think about thinking about seeing this video, but just know you got a big fan out there, bro. I love your vibe. I love your jargon. I love everything you do on the show, man. And it keeps people like me going. It keeps people that do shows every day. Let us take us ourselves a little less seriously. And I'm rooting for you, man. I'm still right here in the fan base. Ooh. And that was like the, the first water break of the show real quick here before we move off this topic. Do you think people are mad at him because he got paid and they living paycheck by paycheck? <laughs> That's very possible, man. People always say in life, people will treat you as a re- the way people treat others is a reflection of how they feel about themselves. And I firmly believe again, if Pat goes to FS one, I think he's got a lot more fans. I think he's got not even a lot more fans, but I think he's got a lot more positive feedback. Pat goes to ESPN and it's all about what ESPN's done. It's all about their past. It's all about how they're mainstream and this, that, and the third. And that's the worry, right? Is Pat's main vibe was, I don't want to be mainstream. I want to turn away from the Stephen A. Smith, you know, skip Bayless type of debates. And I just want to bring literally happy, positive, uplifting conversations about sports. We can still debate. We can still have fun. We can still cut up. Let's just be respectful and let's not debate heavily to drive a division between people. But that drew that is very possible, man. Some people just don't like seeing others do well, don't like seeing others uh elevate, and unfortunately those are just people that you do have to get out of your life. This has been episode 24 of the NFL with AJL. We're not going anywhere just yet. Please make sure to like that stream, like the video wherever you're watching, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on all social media platforms, however you can engage, DMs, comments, shares. Uh, following. I'm there for you guys at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. As always, I give you the QR code here. If you can scan that on your screen, it'll take you to every bit of our content. Please leave us a review on podcast platforms available wherever you get your podcast. And before we roll out of the show tonight, we're going to get some rookie quarterback mini camp updates. Kind of a light topic here. I've just been seeing some Reports and videos and pictures and statements leaked about certain things. So I went and caught the couple little minutes of each mini camp that they've leaked so far from the team accounts and on YouTube and social media and just compiled a little update here for us. So apparently, AR 15, AKA Anthony Richardson, who will now wear number five, so we'll call him AR 5, is quote dominating Colts rookie camp and he's not as raw as analysts said he was. Now, when I went and looked at Anthony Richardson and what he's been doing in the Colts mini camp, he does look solid. I will say he looks very solid. The arm always looked good. The footwork always looked, well, not always looked good. I remember the footwork was a little concern of mine at the combine, and just we know his accuracy was 45 out of 45 for FBS quarterbacks, and the footwork hasn't been great really up until this point, and it's improving, and Anthony Richardson is going to improve and going to get through things as as time goes on. But it was good to see him taking those snaps at minicamp. It was good to see him getting those reps. It's nice to hear the team believing in him so much with Chris Ballard. And, right. and It's, it's kind of like, what else are they supposed to do, right? But knowing that Anthony Richardson was taken with that fourth overall pick, it is going to be an interesting system for him. He was viewed as very raw coming into the draft. But now that he's taking these snaps, now that he's moving around, now that he's just on film and on photo now in these minicamp drills, we're going to watch him go into preseason. I'm happy for him. Look, I don't want Anthony Richardson to be Trey Lance 2.0 or to turn out like Marcus Russell or Zach Wilson. I don't believe he's got that trajectory at all. But in order for Anthony Richardson to get, he is going to have to play. He is going to have to perform. He is going to have to put up his numbers and just ultimately show us what he's able to do. I would love for him to be the next Josh Allen, Cam New, and Mike Vick, Lamar Jackson, all-in-one hybrid, right? That'd be great, but he's got to prove it. He's got to show it, and I do love, again, the Shane Steichen connection with Anthony Richardson. He 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 builds up Jalen Hurts. He's built up Justin Herbert in the past, built up some great names, and I believe that Anthony Richardson, of course, with the right toolage and coaching, could 100% be that guy. Now, unfortunately, we've got Bryce Young, Looking like damn Hornswoggle taking snaps in his first uh, you know rookie camp moments. If you don't know who Hornswoggle is, make sure you go. Just Google that. Horn, S-W-O-G-G-L-E. You'll make sure to laugh about that. But Bryce Young, he just looks tiny. And yes, Hornswoggle is going to be smaller. That's why I mentioned that. He takes the snaps behind his linemen. They're huge. Compared to him. They are so tall. Like, is he gonna see in between their shoulder pads? Is he gonna see in between the helmets? You know? I mean, you can see his his offensive linemen have at least three to four inches in height on him. And he's under center. And I said it on the last show. I would have been pissed if I was the Panthers or if I was Bryce Young. Maybe not if I was Bryce Young, but it's like, ooh, Bryce Young's first snap as a Panther. He's moving at 20% speed. He looks little. He looks so tiny. He's doing a fake end around, you know, uh end around fake handoff and just kind of rolling to the right and you know, tossing the football. It wasn't a good look. It made him look small. It wasn't a whole lot of speed. That should not have been dubbed as his first snap as a Carolina Panther. And realistically, I'm just worried for Bryce Young because he looks small at Alabama. We know how small he was. And it's not going to be a thing that I really hold on to from him to where, oh, it's not going to happen, right? It's, it's just not going to be in the cards for him to be a good quarterback because he could be. But we've seen what's up with Kyler Murray. We've seen smaller quarterbacks get injured. Bryce Young has dealt with this before. We've seen it another LA, Alabama quarterback in Tua. So, I mean, we've we've seen how being a smaller quarterback can't really pan out well for you. And you thought he looked small at Alabama? Go look up. Panthers day one rookie mini camp highlights. And you'll see Bryce Young out there. He looks like a fifth grader. I don't know how he's going to be able to see over his O-line. Probably going to be a lot of shotgun, probably going to be a lot of bootlegs and rolling out because it's going to have to be. Okay, like it's it's literally going to have to be that because of how small he is. I'm a major fan. I want Bryce Young to be successful. I really do. But with him looking like this in rookie quarterback mini camp or rookie mini camp as a QB Definitely makes me nervous. Now, one guy who's getting my attention in minicamp is going to be Will Levis looking absolutely sharp, very technical at Titans camp. He's rolling out to the right. He's channeling a little bit of Josh Allen. If you've seen the one where he drops back, goes over one way, kind of rolls around to the right and then makes a nice flick of the wrist, throw down the field, maybe about 30, 35 yards. Looked really great. Very, very efficient. And knowing that Will Levis is actually capable of that, it was throws like that that got people to like him so much coming out of Kentucky. It was, it was plays and moments like that in his college career that people really looked forward to with him. So when you see him now having those flashes at minicamp for the Titans, for a team that, you know, like what Wesley was just talking about really does need to hone in on that quarterback position. It's, you do like to see it as a fan. You do like to see it as a person who podcasts, you do like to see it as a person who likes the game of football and ultimately wants to see all these quarterbacks play well. You know, I know Will Levis was second, you know, uh second round pick, you know, second pick on the second day. I think pick number 33. Um but nonetheless, you know, him him making that Josh Allen type of throw, him looking so tar- him looking so sharp, him looking so technical in the rookie mini camp is definitely very impressive and and it's something that I like to see. It's something that I definitely like to see because I wasn't big on Will Levis. The arm looked lazy. The footwork looked lazy. The follow through looked lazy. And maybe he just wasn't tapped in for the combine. Maybe he was just trying to fool people. I don't know. I don't think the combine necessarily helped him out, but I don't see the lazy arm. I don't see the lazy footwork. I don't see the lazy release. I was actually impressed by how he was able to move around and really release on the run um, as they were getting that footage. Drew says Bryce Young is accurate, but not sure how well he'll be in the NFL. Think he, we will know by year two. Yeah, absolutely, because he's going to have to vary. He's going to have to adjust big time, man, with how the, um, you know, he's he's going to have to adjust big time with how damn, is my train of thought. Uh, with, with how the linemen are, he's going to have to adjust being in the NFL with guys being at a bigger speed, uh, a, a bigger, you know, bigger weight, bigger height, more speed. He just he looks tiny. He needs to put on weight, and there were rumors. Not rumors. There were reports that he was smaller than Kyler. There were reports that he was tiny, but Kyler stocky. Kyler's got some muscle on him, not Bryce Young. Bryce Young looks tiny. He needs to hit the weight room. He needs to work out. And again, I'm not I'm not hating on Bryce at all. Not hating on Bryce whatsoever. He was clearly the number one overall pick. I'm sitting here in a chair podcasting. But for Bryce to be so small, it does. Concerned me. Talked about how sharp Will Levis look. No activity from Hendon Hooker. And before we get out of here, just a little bit on C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud looking real crisp, real technical as well. I really appreciate everything that I'm seeing from him in rookie minicamp. Honestly, and um, you know, it just it, it makes you happy to know that he was taken so early. To know that he was, um, you know, just going to be in that position really for the Texans at the second pick to provide up front to really be. That Ohio State quarterback to try to break that curse of that Ohio State quarterback. I'm a big, big fan of CJ Stroud. He's my favorite quarterback coming into the draft, and he really put me on notice when he played the way he did against my Georgia Bulldogs. So, you know, again for CJ Stroud to look this good, this good in minicamp, it's not surprising. Um, I love to see it; it's great. And you know, the Texans might not win a lot of games next year, but to know that CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are all looking great in mini camp. and we know that Bryce Young is looking a little small. It's just a little, again, I, I'm, I'm pulling kind of a lot out of nothing, maybe something out of nothing, but when we get the looks at these quarterbacks, when we know how they lead franchises, when we know what they're going to be called on to do, it calls for conversation. It definitely does. It calls for conversation, and you just want to be able to, to give that feedback on there, but get in the comments. Let me know what you think about Rookie quarterbacks, rookie players, so far in NFL minicamp. What are you liking? What are you not liking? Should I get more in to that? I heavily appreciate everyone for tuning in to episode 24. Let's get out of here. That was episode 24 of the NFL with AJL. Ladies and gentlemen, please like the stream before we get out of here tonight. Subscribe on YouTube before we go at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Engage with us however possible on social media please review on podcast platforms as well, wherever you get your podcast at. The QR code here will always take you to every bit of our content. Scan that, every bit of social media content, every clip, every show, every podcast, every everything. (laughs) You guys already know what I say. Episode 24 was great. We went over the NFC South record predictions. We know that Devontae Adams is not happy. We got a little update from the rookie quarterback minicamps. We know Pat McAfee's going to ESPN. I appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. Episode 25, we'll be back next week. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I need y'all. Thank you for being a part of my community with the NFL with AJL. I could not do it without you guys. Don't forget, we're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional real estate needs. Buying a home, selling a home, investing in real estate. Drop your email to get on the newsletter. Drop an email in the address to get everything a seller needs to know between home prices and how fast it is selling. We will be back with episode 25 before you know it. I'm out.